This is the Ops Authority Podcast, where my mission is to break down the backside of your business so you can take the right actions to grow and scale. Hey, I'm Natalie Gingrich, a small business operations expert, and I'm going to give you a front row seat to real solutions that will help you reach the vision that you have for your business, all while equipping you to put out those inevitable pesky fires and those fears that pop up. Listen in for strategies to grow your team, craft the systems and processes that you need for your business, and establish business foundations that you may have skipped over. I know you're ready to do really big things, so let's do it together. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back to episode number 64. I think you guys are really, really, really going to like this one. I mean, I hope you like all of them, but this one's going to be extra special because I've got a dear friend and a guest today for you. If you are somebody who knows that communication creates tons of value in a relationship, you definitely need to stay tuned today. So today we've got a DOO expert coach and that lucky lady is Claire Crump. I think I'm actually the lucky one here, but she is the founder and the CEO of Calm Ops. Like get it? By having a good operator, you're going to have calm in your business. So she's the founder and CEO of Calm Ops, where she and her team move social enterprise CEOs and executive directors from reactionary to relax, expanding their capacity to reach their next level milestones. She's a veteran of the nonprofit sector and an efficiency enthusiast. Claire has a heart for highlighting and supporting the unique individual strengths of her team and the clients that they serve. She's a graduate of this amazing DOO program, and she now serves as the value and worth coach, which we're going to dive into in just one second for our DOO community. She's the facilitator of the Calm Ops Mastermind Group as well. She's a wife and a mama to three kids. She's dedicated to bringing sustainable business practices to those beside her on this entrepreneurial journey. Claire is an amazing soul. She's got this amazing calming way as well that is just built into her fabric and who she is. And I am pleased to call her a peer, a colleague, and someone who has who's come through the certification. Not only did she learn from me, but I continue to learn from her. And before I let her give you a little snapshot into who she is on a, in a deeper level, I wanted to let you guys know value and worth. So what does that mean? As you know, you've been listening to our series on expert coaches and how these gals who have come through the certification have leveraged their expertise to layer on top of the goods that I share with them in the certification. Well, as I got to know Claire, she has got she's got the experience, she's got the background, she's got the demeanor. All of those things come together to give her a leadership style that is not abrupt. It is not authoritative. It is super, super clear, calm, and natural. And as I was getting to know who she was as a person, I was watching this from afar, but also as we went deeper, I got to see how she actually practices this in her business. So it made it very, very easy for me to pull her in and ask her to honor our group with being the value and worth coach. Because here's the deal. If you are an excellent communicator and you have innate leadership in you, you are naturally going to be that strategic partner. You bring and hold space to the leaders that you're serving, and that space allows them to show up as their true organic and natural self. Not organic as in like, you know, like their true authentic self, but by having this style, Claire attracts people who are easy to serve for her. So she's attracting people that make her life easier 
by sharing her natural gifts with them. And I think all together is we can take a lesson out of that playbook from Claire to know who it is that fills us up, to let us know who it is that we can come in and easily partner with versus making that mistake that we make so many times in our own businesses by working with clients that just don't fit us. And so by doing this, by setting up those parameters and by practicing an amazing communication and leadership style, she is really leading the way. And I love when she comes in and teaches with our group. So I could go on and on and on about the amazingness of Miss Claire Crumb. But today I would like for you, Miss Claire, to share with our listeners a little bit more about you that I didn't share in your intro. Oh, thank you so much, Natalie. You give me all the feels. <laughs> this is such a great community to be a part of. And I'm really excited to have gotten to know you through working in the DOO program, as well as other people in our community. It's so it's very fulfilling. And listening to that bio, having you read it, I was like, wow, that is pretty cool. All that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes um, you just need other people to reflect into you or to share with you what we see from the outside. Exactly. And we're going to be talking about that today a little bit more too, I know. Well, as you mentioned, my background is in the nonprofit space. That's where I started out my career. I did that as the executive assistant, the event planner, the volunteer manager, newsletter writer, general cat herder, which is pretty common in that space. And so I learned a lot of different things about working with a lot of different people and and really a particular way of working with people. When you're working with volunteers, it's a little bit different than a paid team. And so that definitely sculpted the way I work with people today. I've always enjoyed leading. I was the little girl who was bossy and, (laughs) you know, now there's t-shirts. Bossy is just a good leader. (laughs) Right. You and I both had those shirts for sure. Whether we had right. them or we proverbially had them, we right. definitely. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I did that for a long time in the nonprofit space. I was in the nonprofit space for a long time. And then I stayed at home with my kiddos and that was an amazing opportunity. And when I was ready to start something new, as my kiddos were just a little bit older, and I thought, you know, maybe going back to work is something I'm interested in. I had a colleague who was coaching individuals into the virtual assistant space. And so I started back there because it seemed like, you know, something I could do. But I got to be honest, I was super afraid of that. I felt really antiquated. I'd been out of the working world for several years. And I just thought, what, what do I have to offer? And so as an assistant, it felt very entry level and like I could do it. And over the past four years, my business has grown and I've, I have grown to appreciate my skill set and how it can be utilized now in my business. And I've been able to move past the entry level and have confidence that I can serve in this DOO role in the businesses that we work for. Yeah. So that's something that right when we first became connected, I had, actually I was still in corporate, but I served in a local nonprofit as well. That experience gave me the ability to understand you, your heart, where you came from. And then also on the operations side, everything that goes into being a part of a nonprofit. If you have ever served 
as any role in a nonprofit, their defined roles are really few and far between because in a nonprofit, the pay is usually lower than normal and the roles are very expansive. Basically, if you can do it, if you've got a beating heart, we're going to ask you to volunteer. We're going to ask you to fundraise. We're going to ask you, at least that's been my experience. And I was just talking about this today on our on our round six call, because that nonprofit experience that I had, I came in to this nonprofit with a bleeding heart for helping people who have challenge, have physical and mental challenges. Their children, they were on my heart. And I started that adventure by literally, get this guys, by being the volunteer that takes the kid from home plate to first base, running down there, you know, helping them with their gait. Some of them could run, some of them were in wheelchair bound, but that was my heart to come in to help these kids, to make them feel like they had a place to have recreational sport. And that was just something that was on my heart. As I got more and more invested in that, I get chills thinking about those sweet little friends of ours that have stayed friends with, with us. And I've been a part of that organization since 2001, but I came into that organization literally as a runner, truly a runner from home base to first base. Like that's what I was doing. And the more I got to know about that, that organization, the more I saw my gifts being able to complement what they needed and what they couldn't see for themselves because nonprofits and a lot of social enterprises, they start from a place of passion, not necessarily as, you know, this great courageous experienced business owner. They have a passion and that's what gets them into this business. And then once the organization got a little bit of footing, I saw myself growing in that organization. And this place did not have the ability to fund specific roles. Like your, I don't know if it was yours paid, Claire? Yes. I've worked for several paid. Mm -hmm. Okay. As, as well as volunteering, but right. Yeah. So as I was seeing it and really looking at their business model, I started to see this thing inside of me that was like, well, I could step into leadership here. I can really help them to become more solvent, to bring in more money. And before you knew it, I was the volunteer coordinator and then the event coordinator. And then I was the fundraising chair. And those were all operational roles. And so I just want to pull that out because a lot of people who have a passion and a heart for volunteerism, I would challenge you to really look at those skill sets of leadership, of operational knowledge, of project management, of people management, because you get all of those in an organization such as that. So I no doubt know that if that's on your heart and knowing you, Claire, as a person that you are, that the gifts that came natural to you were you merged those two by, by finding an audience like the nonprofit, like social enterprises, to be able to use your knowledge and your heart and combine them into one. So I just love it. And I wanted to share that because it was it was fresh from today's session, but there is so much love and work and heart that go into an organization that you love, right? And when you do that, the, the communication piece becomes very, very simple because it's a passion. It's not work. It's a pat. I mean, it can be, but when you combine those two, I believe that we're able to show up in our best self. That doesn't mean that we don't get frustrated. That doesn't mean that we don't have challenging people to work with, et cetera. But I love that you have a focus on that particular thing and you've stayed very, very true to you from, you know, navigating that your professional background you know, I will call it that nonprofit professional background, taking the break with your children and then now navigating into owning your own business. I want to say, and I want to compliment and spotlight the fact that you don't only own this business, you have an agency. 
you have people who help you to execute on the work. So for our listeners, would you kind of describe, we're always interested, um, the people who are listening to this podcast are directors of operations or aspiring directors of operation, and we love a peek behind the curtain. So would you share with me and everybody else listening how you get the work done in your business? Absolutely. Well, just like anything else, especially in this virtual workspace, that's been evolving, Mm -hmm. right? And the DOO certification was really integral in helping me define that a little bit. And I think to my detriment working in the nonprofit sector and wearing all those hats, that's my go-to is to wear all the hats. And as DOOs, so commonly, we want to serve. We want to be the ones that fix. We want to be the ones that orchestrate and make all the things happen. You know, I've got a terrible people pleaser streak. It's a good thing, but it's a bad thing, right? So I really had to get clear on what my role was in my business and then how I was going to grow that into the kind of business that met the goals for our family. And that led me to an agency model. So what that looks like for me now is myself as the CEO, I work primarily as a fractional DOO for our clients, as well as offering strategic mapping services in a smaller role. And then I have team members that come in to support where necessary. So that might look like a virtual assistant and an OBM that are partnered with a client. And I come in on a monthly basis to help them evaluate where are they at with their strategic plan? Does everything feel like it's still a fit? Do we need to tweak anything? And the team can go through then and implement. So everybody is getting to stay in their lane and working on the things that are really their zone of genius, really. And for me, it's that strategy piece and working with entrepreneurs and CEOs and EDs to unravel the spaghetti brain, I like to say. That's my most favorite thing to do with clients is to help them map out those things and what are their goals and how are we going to accomplish them. So... And then that transition from being the person that does all the things that navigates, you know, the front end and the back end of the business. And I know that I know that in depth that that is what the role that you came from navigating into this space where you're doing strategy, where you're truly the strategic partner, and then you're utilizing your own team, people who know you, who know your processes, who know your standards to be able to amplify what you're able to provide. Because there are plenty of us who go out there who just do the strategic partnership piece. I won't say just do the strategic partnership piece, but that's our focus. And you bring in another element that can be really, really helpful. And think about your audience. They have teams of doers, but they're not necessarily specific to the things that you're doing for them. So they may have volunteers, et cetera. But in your case, you're bringing in skilled, knowledgeable, educated people who understand you as their leader. So I love the way that you've built out this agency model. There are about a thousand and one ways that we can build out an agency as a model. And I love that you have held on. It's kind of the way that I would envision if I ever were to go back in time or maybe (laughs) accelerate into time and have an agency for myself, the way that you have done it is a way that really sings to me because I am very clear that I don't want to be doing the implementation 
but I don't mind overseeing it because I have a heart for people. And so I love building that team. So give us an understanding of how you have built this team who does understand your standards, who understands what it is that you deliver and how do you communicate with them? Because I think this excellence that you project and have the connection you have with your client is probably equally seen with the people that work with you. Tell us how you've built that. So that goes back to the communication piece, right? I, I want to know who a person is. I want to know what their motivations are. I want to know what their values are. Do those feel like a match for what we're doing here or for what they intend, mm-hmm. right? I hire folks more based on their fit on the team and their potential for learning oftentimes than the precise skill set that they have. Because so much of what we need people to do in this virtual workspace is teachable. What I need is folks that can come in and they can talk to a wide range of people. Mm -hmm. You know, you can talk to executives and you can talk to the entry level salt of the earth kind Mm -hmm. of entry level person, right? Somebody's got to be able to have those great communication skills to talk to all of those different people. They've got to have great follow through and they've got to be honest and open. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we value good communication. We value vulnerability. We value getting to know one another as a team and that pre-existing relationship of us working together well as a team is what allows us to go into these businesses and avoid some hiccups because so much of what you are doing in those first 30, 60 days is getting to know the existing parties and how do you work together best and how are they, you know, what are their preferences? What are their bugaboos? What are, you know, the things that you need to consider in working with those team, introducing yourself and expectations and all that kind of thing by us having that great relationship together already as we go into work with these clients, we get to skip past, fast forward past some of those initial things that you have to sort through. Mm -hmm. So listening to what you just shared, I think that there's a key point here that I want our listeners to understand. I kind of described this at the beginning, but Claire is extremely patient. She's very communicative. She is well thought out. And she said that she hires what I can kind of reduce what you said there to she's hiring for culture fit and coachability. The person doesn't have to be the number one expert in the world of emails or copywriting or graphic design. If they have the ability to learn it and the interest in becoming better at it, Claire is patient. Claire is open and accepting of taking these people and developing these people. It's very important to know if you're going to set up an agency or if you're going to grow a team for even for your client to understand who that leader of the team is. Now, I've painted the picture and Claire has helped me there. For you, you can just tell by her buttery, sweet little voice. <laughs> but she's, she's super kind and patient and I can see her literally developing people to be their best. Whereas I have hired for lots of people who have no patience, their gifts are certainly not in the development space. And a lot of it comes down to control and patience. And if you don't have those things, then I would, I'm going to hire for skill set 
over coachability. So it's just important. It's a great thing there to note as you know, you get to see how Claire builds her team, but there is not just one way to build a team. By building the team that Claire has, that couples with her skills and gifts, she's probably got a lot. I mean, how long have people stayed on your team? Do you, do you tend to have turnover? Not very much. Yeah. So I, the, the agency model I started towards the end of last year. And so I have folks from the beginning mm-hmm. that have stayed with me and grown with me, frankly, yeah. into roles where they have more responsibility on our yeah. team. Yeah. So when I think about operations, operations is the umbrella and underneath there, there's lots of different areas of expertise, financials, human resources, project management, communications, and leadership. Which of those do you feel matches you best? Well, communications, right? (laughs) The word of the day. (laughs) You know, arguably, and I've shared this in coaching in the group, it's the most important component of things. You can know all the data things. You can be a most excellent project planner. If you can't communicate about those things with people well, you're Mm going to fall flat. And so this is an area that I feel like is really key for us in business as as well as life, right? Mm -hmm. When And your journey and your business journey and life journey, when did you kind of get that aha that you really were, you may not have called yourself a master, but when did you start to see that you had an expertise in communications? I think it's when people told me that I did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that external validation is really big. Having come out of the nonprofit space and, you know, mid-level nonprofit, so we're not talking national kinds of things, I didn't have that corporate background. And that was really intimidating to me because I really thought that I would absolutely need that kind of a background to do this kind of work, Mm -hmm. that that was the expectation of people. And I also felt that it was maybe a unicorn that I was looking for in clients that didn't have that hustle mindset or that they were actively trying to remedy that in themselves, right? Those are my people because we're all here to to do our thing and we want to do so with as much ease as possible. And so I think being able to communicate, again, those values and you know, what we're all here to do and how can I help you and how can you help me and being clear about those things is how we get that done. So I'm going to turn this over to you to really shine and to educate people and share your gifts with the listeners today. But if we're looking at this from the vein of communication, which creates value and worth, the better the communicator you are with your client or with your employees, the more value they are going to have in the role that they're doing. And the more worth you will feel, you will be able to step into leadership in a different way. It won't be forced. It won't be that you have to shrink down. So that's how I pull together communications, reporting, value, and worth. All four of those words basically come back to one thing to me, and that's really leadership. So if you wouldn't mind, Claire, would you share with our audience kind of your secret sauce to how you show up as an expert and ways that they could potentially do the exact same? So there are three pillars that I cultivate in myself and in my team that fall into this category. So number one is know yourself. 
there are so many things that are going to flavor your your secret sauce that are going to shade your purview on things. And it's important that you have that self-awareness about yourself. I know that I get super anxious if I'm working for entrepreneurs that have that hustle, got to get it done yesterday kind of mindset because I have a heart for service and that people please are streaking me, you know, that that's just a really hard match for me. And so I know that I need to avoid those kind of conversations and, and how to handle them when they do come up with my current clients, right? There are certain things that you get to know about yourself and how then you can combat those or bolster those skills so that you are communicating effectively. So number two is to know your audience. And we can talk forever about empathy. I got all Brene Brown's books on my nightstand, right? There's so much about this topic that is going to contribute to what those different kinds of conversations look like, whether that is in person or virtually or via email or on Boxer or all of those different kinds of things. Those are, there's key pieces in there that are almost between the lines that you have to pay attention to. And so, for instance, do you have somebody whose spouse is sick or kids are sick? Do you have somebody who's going on vacation, right? You need to know that so that you don't put a whole bunch of stuff on their plate that they're not going to have time to do before you leave. Neurodiversity is something that I really like to pay attention to. Entrepreneurs, and we see this often, I think, in our role as DOOs versus the CEOs that we work with, our brains work really differently. And that is an awesomely cool thing because that allows us to become this whole team that can push forward this mission that our EDs and CEOs are working toward, that they wouldn't have the skill set to do on their own. And I wouldn't necessarily have the skill set to start on my own, right? So know yourself, know your audience. Number three is get clear. So I mentioned I'm a big Brene Brown fan. Clear is kind. Being unclear is unkind. And this is something that I've had to work really hard on myself because I've had a background of being a doer. I find myself just getting there and doing and not always putting it out there. So that's been something that I've had to learn how to do. But delegation is an art form, really. And that is going to serve you well in any team that you're working with. If you can paint done as she says, then you're really setting whomever it is that you're talking to up for success, both in the conversation, if it's with your client, if it's delegating with your team, it makes it a lot easier for someone to meet the success goalposts that you have that you maybe haven't even shared yet. Can you describe what paint done is? Absolutely. So paint done is giving the most complete picture that you can possibly paint about the thing that you are explaining or delegating. So think stick figure versus Mona Lisa. Those are the kind, that's the level of detail you want to add into what you're trying to say to someone so that you're getting that picture across the most clearly. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're I'm a big fan of over-communication, but 
because I don't, I think in the, it's not to detriment. And I think you'll get to know with your clients when it's appropriate and you, then you start to know them and you don't need to do that so much. But particularly in new relationships, that over-communication piece really helps people through that mind meld and getting to know each other. So then you can start to have that like psychic friendship with the people that you're working with to know when things you know need to get done and how they get done and all those kinds of pieces. So I have a follow-up question. By being, by painting done, when I read that from Brene Brown, I automatically thought, oh, it's going to elongate the conversation. And all my leaders want really short, they don't really want to talk to me. They don't really want to talk to anybody. They want to live in their world and do their thing. And so if I come in and paint done, it's going to take more time. Am I justified in thinking that? Or tell me what that looks like. Yeah, I think it goes back to know your audience, right? Some leaders are going to be super appreciative of that. Some aren't going to need it. But I think it's most important when you're trying to delegate something to be done in a certain way. That's been my experience. I use it most often in that circumstance. With leaders, I tend to take their lead. And what feels necessary for them to know and what feels like something that can get done. And they're going to think, wow, you're awesome. That just got done. Right. So when I think of knowing your audience and over-communicating and communicating just in general, I think of, for me in my experience, when I am managing up, so I'm managing a CEO, I'm being the strategic partner to a six, seven, eight figure business owner, they may not need as much, but at the same time, and I think directors of operations play this delicate role where we manage up and we manage down at all times, because we've got a team, whether they're in your agency, whether they are employees of your leader, you are still leading that team. And the same skill set that you just, the painting done idea is going to look different for the leader versus the team. Now, the team and somebody that you have are cultivating and developing and pouring into, that person would probably really, really love painting done in a completely different way. So I, I think that there is something really great to, I think of the stick figure versus the Mona Lisa and the leader may be okay with the stick figure but I still have to do as much thought on my side as the director of operations. I still have to put in just as much thought in taking this idea and and communicating it well as a stick figure. And then it really requires me to be an excellent facilitator of thought of full coming to full conclusions so that I can shrink it down or expand it based on the audience that I'm in. So those are, those are Natalie's little takeaways from painting done. And, And, you know, I read that so many years ago and I think that that, I just had kind of a, my own little Brene breakthrough. <laughs> so thanks for, for bringing that. So the director of operations, I know that you have, um, whether you described yourself as an operator, which you probably didn't, you know, a decade or two ago, you definitely are that today. And coming through the certification was, I'm sure, I mean, it's been a huge gift for me, but give us your, like, how have you melded your agency, your business today? as a result of coming through the certification? Well, as I mentioned, I didn't think of myself as an operator. That to me was all of the peers that I see in this industry that had corporate experience. You know, they're the black belt ninja something or other, you know, like my sister has that. I should know what it is. But, you know, I didn't have those pieces. And so I, I really didn't know what I had 
to offer in that way. And what I have taken from the DOO certification and built into my business, number one is that confidence that I had those skills. There are specific pieces that I have taken out of the training that are now services that we offer in our business. And maybe they were services that I I didn't have any clients for before, or maybe there were things that I was able to up-level in my services because of that. How has your avatar, the people that you work with, has that changed much? Yes. The people that I work with now are in a more seasoned place in their business. They might be the solopreneurs, but they're actively working on not being. Mm -hmm. And they need more support than a VA. You know, I have clients where the VA was kind of in that sticky spot where they're wearing all the hats and all of a sudden they don't feel like they're meeting expectations. Well, what's really happened there is you have too many expectations on this one individual for what your business needs. And so people that are in that transition now and are looking for a little bit more, they've been around the block a few more times. And so they are more secure in their own business, which means security for myself and my team and our business. Those are some of the key differences that we see now, as well as being really clear on, you know, that service-minded individual who is working on building their business in a sustainable way. Because if they're not focused on having a sustainable business, then we're not able to be as effective. We become task rabbits on our team, which is not serving them well. Right. So what is next for you? I know we've got the agency up and running and that's, you know, almost a year old. Tell us what's next for Claire. Yeah. So I am keeping on, keeping on. I am getting better and better as CEO thing in my agency. I have done my own strategic mapping recently and have my plan built out for that and growing what that looks like and taking even more of the strategic piece in my own business. Mm -hmm. I also have a mastermind that is going to be starting to enroll here within the next couple of weeks, the Calm Ops Mastermind, which I'm pretty excited about. I had several local women in our networking group who identified a need for an accountability group in their business did not necessarily include coaching element. And so often we find that, you know, you can find those people online and it's great and it works for a couple of weeks and then people get busy and it filters out. And so there's really a need for someone to be that facilitator for them to be that silo that I can come here and I can have this accountability and I can get feedback from my peers and if I want it, or I can just vent if I want it. And it's really a container for those, those women in business. And so that's what we're going to be kicking off and doing here pretty soon. Local or online or both? It's online. It started with some ladies here locally who have online businesses, okay. but anyone, anyone is welcome. If that awesome. feels like it fits the bill for you. Yeah. I love the combination of accountability and coaching. So I'm excited for you, Claire, and it fits you because of the leadership style that you have. And I can see you being that consummate facilitator 
I think you are that in your day-to-day business and probably in lots and lots of relationships that you have and, and you hold dear. So Claire, it's been so wonderful to chat with you. And I know that the audience has walked away with some key tips in how to improve communications. Ladies, do not ever discount the act in the science of being a more effective communicator, I believe that's one of the skills that we have to just constantly refine, look at, improve, dedicate to. It will be the differentiator between success and worth and value. So I encourage you to take Claire's tips to heart. And then also I, th- I find her background just really fascinating and identifiable with lots and lots of us out there. So thank you, Claire, for your leadership and for giving so freely into this community and also for the great work that you're doing. Share with our audience where we can find more info about you and this amazing Calm Ops Mastermind you got coming up. You can find me and all the information on the Calm Ops Mastermind at calm-ops.com. Awesome. Fantastic. I want everyone to head on over there because I know she's going to have lots of goodness there. Thank you so much for being a very special guest and a very important person in my life. And for all of you listeners, I will be back next week with episode number 65. Thank you for investing just a little bit of time to listen to this episode of the Ops Authority Podcast. I am so grateful to be surrounded by real action takers like you who are invested in growing their business through operations. Will you add one more action to your to-do list today? Visit theopsauthoritypodcast.com where you can join our community of business owners and other ops experts. You're going to hear from me in a week, but in the meantime, do big things on the backside of your business.